first live show of the season here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. And we're talking smash and grab as DC United stole a point, stole three points. And and I, I don't think there's a better word for it. Uh, 90, what, 8th, 9th, 103rd. Last minute penalty was given. Ola Kamara converted from the spot. And the rest of the game doesn't matter. We're taking three points home, right, guys? All, all's good? Uh, all is not good. All is good in the table. All is really good in the table. There it is. There I have is. a lot of other questions about field play. Yeah, let's let's say for like the first fifteen minutes of the podcast, we're celebrating six points in two games. <laughs> we're we're on our way to our ten points in three games, just like the they talked about in the pre, in the pregame. Oh boy, my head hurt a little bit watching that. But welcome into the show. I'm John Lee, joined this week by Sam and Joshua, um, and guys. I, Look, I said to you guys right before we went on the air, I'm super glad that that we got the three points and it ended the way it did, but there's a lot to break down tonight, and we're going to get to all of that. We're just awaiting uh, Coach Hernan Lasada's press conference here, which we expect to kick off in, in just a moment, and we'll take you there live, as always. But um, the crowd in Cincinnati was roaring at the end of the game. You know, After the red card, um, I, I thought they were going to – they were pouring it on, and uh, it, was, it was a tough environment. DC United so fortunate to get out three points. Yeah, it, it was a wild game that DC United, I, I don't think really ever looked like they were going to win. And then, you know, lo and behold, we get to our worst moment of the whole match. And, and I thought we were surely going to lose. And then we turn it around and, and we, we grab all three uh, fr- from Gola Pamara, which is just like... <laughs> Uh, we can just meme this guy's name anymore, but he keeps scoring goals and he keeps converting penalties. Uh, I'm just ecstatic for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we're going positive, I'm so happy he, he converted that one. Um, I don't know how professional athletes do it, man. I was like ready to curl into the fetal position. Like, cause I mean, this was a game like that we needed three points out of, and it feels silly saying that second game of the season, but against FC Cincinnati, like you should always be getting all three points. So it felt like a pretty dire situation. Um, so I'm super happy that we were able to, to come away with that, that he was able to convert it and yeah, shots. To, I mean, he had plenty of PK practice, I guess last season, like he just keeps converting <laughs> them. So at least he stays fresh, right? It's never a surprise that he's going to get a PK in a game. You kind of expect it if you're Ola, I think so. Yeah, super happy we got that that result at the end. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about you know what this result means for DC United. But when we looked at the schedule a couple of weeks ago on our season preview show, it, the road is pretty easy out of the gate, um, and it, and it gets brutal late in the season. And so, come August, come September, when hopefully we're we're fighting for a playoff spot, um, we might not remember how crazy this game was, um, but we're gonna we're gonna be so glad we got these three points uh, in the bag tonight. Yeah, I mean, I was just having flashbacks last season, and obviously this game was a lot later in the last season, but against New York City, that that was the game that everyone looked to and said, like, those were the points we dropped. Those were the three points, right? We lost that game. Like, th- that was the game that we lost that would have put us in the playoff had we won. And I was just, like, yeah. anticipating all those comments for this game. Like, had we gotten those last two points, that would have been the difference maker. So, I mean, I think it's optimistic that we we did scrounge out those two points. Like, that's a morale booster, right? Like, you can come away and say, like, we did at the end of the day, like, kind of what we needed to do. I guess we got that handball. Like, we were able to get those three points and pack it home and go home now. I, I love the show because it, it definitely rides the emotional wave uh, of <laughs> the United idea, fans. Yeah. 
and, and we're all pretty high right now. And, and, and promise, if you stick with us, <laughs> probably 15 or 30 minutes into the show, we'll, we'll come back to reality, which is that DC United didn't look great today, but six points through two games, uh, you can't ask for much more. And and yeah, John, if, if we're sticking with the optimism right now, I'm thinking that this will turn into, oh yeah, DC United started the season season looking pretty rough, but now they look good and they're contending for the playoffs. And that's that's ideal, I think. But I mean, you can, I, we've talked about this, right? And this is just a trope in MLS. Like you don't have to be very strong in the beginning of the season. So the fact that we're not very strong, that we haven't hit our stride, but we're still getting the points. Like, I think that's massive for us, especially yeah, when you consider that we have a DP coming in in the summer, right? Or some at some point in the near future, he'll be coming in. So, Hopefully tomorrow. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I think it's it's massive that, like, we don't have to be looking good right now, right? Like, you don't you never sound the alarm bells if you don't look good in the first couple months in MLS. But the fact that, you know, we don't look good, but we're still getting the points, we're still scrounging them out, like, that leaves us room to then have a little bit of grace period for Taxi to come in and, like, get used to the team and then for us to just really take off at the end of the season. So, like, we're really just setting ourselves up for success right now and say so i'm going to jump in real quick because coach has just sat down uh so i think he's he's getting his, his place here uh and, and we'll kick it over to the the post-game press conference here <laughs> we'll go to steve first steve go ahead buddy <laughs> Arnon, how do you feel about coming out with three victories after all the things that happened The six out of six is, is, is amazing. Uh, we could talk again about uh, about luck and about moments in the game that after 10 minutes or 15 minutes should be also 0 2 for us. Brad 1v1 with the goalkeeper and, and Edison 1v1 with the goalkeeper. So it is uh, at the end. I think we were both tired, and when you drop with ten players, you might think you have to be lucky with a point. But still, there is a something else can happen. The penalty, I think, is, is a correct decision, um, and you run away with three. So. Play bad. Uh, sorry, the opposite. How many games did we deserve to win last season, and we didn't took any points? So how many games did we uh, took points playing bad or not as good as as we are? And and the answer I think is none, none. No games were played last season where we played very ugly or 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 we we didn't deserve the points and we took. It. And this one is the first one I think uh, with me as a coach. Mm. Great atmosphere in the locker room, two days off, and, and we can um, keep keeping building up, knowing and being realistic that uh, tonight could be a different result. So it's also up to us to understand where we need uh, experience, where we need maybe a little bit more of muscle, because uh, we are a young group and we're going to make mistakes, and it's going to be part of a process, part of a season. And now you win two in a row. But it can be also different uh, in the future. So uh, we will take the points, but we will also take good conclusions 
to improve because we, we're going to need it against the better opponents. What, um, what do you think it says about the team's mentality and resolve to, to get, get those points at the end? Yeah, I believe last season we had a, a few games, and I remember Orlando and New York City that at the very last minute, uh, in, in, in a different run of, of set pieces, we concede a goal. And today was the exact same scenario. They got like three, four corners in a row. Uh, we defend very solid, very mature, and and well, it's a different mindset, you know. When when everything goes uh, the way you want, and you believe, you believe, even though the circumstances are against you, uh, at the end, I think it's it's a reward for for the players' mentality. You can go, Zach. Thanks, Steve. We'll go to Jason Anderson. So, Iron On, uh, congratulations on the win. Thanks for speaking with us. Um, I wanted to ask about your your halftime change, both from uh, Julian's condition uh, as well as they look like a shift into a four-two-three-one. Uh, what what went into that choice from you? Yeah, I believe that uh, especially defensive in transition, we were not doing the right things or the right choices and that it wasn't necessary anymore to play on a back three and that we needed to be with an extra player on the on the midfield and one more on top and that's why Griffin Yao changed from from side and Adrian Perez came in the team to play more with a back four um, with Moses and Drew against um, Kubo and Acosta and and I think it worked uh, because the start of the second half and the majority of the second half, we were more relaxed on the ball. We were more confident. I think even the fitness, our fitness was a lot better than the fitness of the opponent. And you could see that uh, at the end of the, of the game. And again, the subs were important, giving us a lot of energy. Uh, and in the case of Ola, even scoring the, the winning goal. We'll go to Mauricio Gomez. Gracias, profe, por tu tiempo y felicidades en los tres puntos. Eh, dos partidos consecutivos ganados eh, con nuevos jugadores y una nueva mentalidad. ¿Cómo fue el overall de este partido y cómo va a seguir para el próximo? Nosotros necesitamos tener una mentalidad de lucha y una, una mentalidad combativa. Creo que es la única forma para poder conseguir resultados con un equipo muy, muy joven. Hoy ¿no? por momentos tenías a dos mediocampistas de 18, de 21 años, eh, con Griffin jugando de delantero, con Donovan ingresando en el segundo tiempo. Es un equipo que, bueno, con muchos chicos que recién ahora están comenzando a, a generar sus primeros minutos, sus primeros partidos. Así que nosotros necesitamos de esa mentalidad eh, de lucha, de sacrificio, eh, donde 11 ataquen y 11 defiendan. Y somos un equipo que juega muy honestamente a ganar. Creo que pudimos haber ganado por más goles, podríamos haber perdido, pero son partidos entretenidos donde los hinchas eh, que vienen al estadio se divierten se entretienen, y creo que eso también es parte de nuestra filosofía de juego. Last question, coach. We'll go to Sarah. Congratulations, coach. 
I want to ask, how critical is this first win on the road and really setting the tone for the rest of the season? Every point is important. Winning on the, on the road is important. Um, uh, I think it's, it was like the right timing to play against Charlotte, the right timing to play against Cincinnati. And now we're going to face a team with, with a lot more experience and, and, and names. Uh, so, but well, we were playing on the field and we have to go one game at, at a time. One game at, at a time, I think, is the right mentality. Um, knowing that we have a lot to improve, but there were also a lot of positives that we need to, to, to keep for the future, like the amount of scoring opportunities that we create. On the other hand, defensive-wise, we need to help Bill to have a, a, little, a little less work than the work he had uh, already for two games. Um, but okay, it, those are the pieces we have. This is this is the, the roster we have. I we only missing uh, actually Russell and, and and Nigel Roberta. Both probably will be in the team uh, in the roster part of the team for for next week. And now you're missing Moses. But we don't have uh, enough numbers, and and that brings young players uh, on the field who will receive a lot of minutes, and they will make mistakes, and that's that's part of the process. So we're gonna take the points. We're gonna back to the, go back to the sea two days off, and uh, from Tuesday on we start preparing the next uh, home game. Coach, thank you very much. Thank you. That's DC United head coach Hernan Lozada. And uh, we do apologize for some of the technical difficulties there. Uh, look, the public address system didn't work in the stadium, nor did the TVs in the press box. So Wi-Fi truly, uh, you know, an afterthought. But lots to digest there from what Lasada had to say. Sam, you and I were messaging each other a little bit. I think we might have seen a different first half than Coach, or second half rather than Coach did there. It's forgot to unmute us. Um, I mean, first half too, apparently, like because he was comparing the two. I mean, yeah, he compared our fitness and kind of just said that he saw like almost a better second half of our play versus since he's play. And honestly, I thought we had a, a worse second half. I would have said that DC United was the better team in the first half, like still not to the quality that I would have wanted to see or um, the expectations that I had playing against a wooden spoon Cincy team, but definitely not the second half. I don't think that there was a lot of, there were a lot of positives to take from that. So I was really shocked to hear him talk about it in such a positive light. I, I think a good amount of it could be uh, a coach taking six points from six points, right? He talked about how the DC United were maybe, uh, he didn't say fortunate. He said, we played Charlotte at the right time and we played Cincy at the right time. And I, Key. I think yeah. That kind of leads itself into saying that early in the season, we have more talent. We were able to beat them because, you know, we just have better players to put on the field. And that roster for Cincinnati is wild. They got Ray Gaddis, who literally retired last year. Uh, they have 2018 DC United midfield in there with Moreno and Acosta. And then just like some random pieces from around Atlanta United's backup striker and goalkeeper. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's just Lasada being, uh, being positive. Uh, he was pretty frank about, hey, they, I got some young guys on the field. They're going to make mistakes, and, and, and that's part of the process. And, and I think that's what we're seeing. I, I'm super excited because he said it looks like Roberta and and especially Russell. Uh, I'm especially yeah. excited for Russell to be back next week because now we need him. 
Yeah, shouts to Sarah. I thought that was a really um, interesting question, especially given where we are in the season to ask. Like, Switch the pitch. Switch the pitch. Yep, Sarah Classy from Switch the Pitch. Thank you. Um, Asking that last question about, you know, what does this first away win mean to the team? And that's, uh, Joshua, a lot of what you were getting at from what Lasada said. But he also said that we don't have the roster or the numbers. You know, we only have two players coming back into the roster. And, you know, now we're out Moses. But, you know, to me, reading between the lines... That was a little so, bit. So I'm going to jump in real quick. So it looks like Bill Hamid uh, is ready to chat with us. Sounds we'll good. start with Steve since he's a special guest yeah. with you. And then we'll, we'll go to everybody else on the, on the Zoom call. Steve, go ahead, man. I assume you're still sitting there. Yes. Uh, Bill, how'd you, uh, how'd you feel about getting three points considering everything that happened on this night and playing down a man for 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, massive, massive three points. I feel, feel relieved, honestly. Um, it was a tough game for us, but we found a way. What was the, what do you think the mentality was down the stretch there when you were absorbing a lot of pressure? Was there a thought to go forward and try to get something more out of it or was it more of a if defensive? The, if the possession, if the possession was right, yeah, it was a, we have to take that chance, but we learned a lot of hard lessons last year. Um, I can remember. New York City at Red Bull Arena. Mm-hmm. I can remember a, a counter goal at, at Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, with us having the possibility of taking points, you know, we still have to be safe in the back. So it was good to see that we as a unit uh, learned our lesson and um, had the right numbers, um, even though we were trying to, had the right numbers behind, even though we were trying to go forward still. So. Yeah, Zach. We'll go to Jason Anderson. Hi, Bill. Congrats uh, on the win, on the shutout, and, and thanks for speaking with us, of course. Um, my, my question is really about the nature of the way Cincinnati played. It seemed like early, very early, they were just sort of dumping it over the top, uh, kind of something you saw from Charlotte last week as well. And then they sort of started to possess a little more. How do you feel like the team did overall in the fact that the game was kind of, there was a lot of end-to-end, it felt like, from both teams? Yeah, I don't think it was just necessarily dumping it over the top. I think that uh, they recognized that we play with three deep. Um, So, you know, they have guys that are pacey up top um, and they try to utilize that pace by uh, making runs in behind. So I think there was a clear game plan for them uh, that they saw what we might have had as a weakness and they wanted to exploit. But... um, no, it was a gritty game. I think it was it was always going to be that way because of the nature of their situation and, you know, the circumstances of, you know, them first game at home of the season. It's been a while since they've gotten results. Um, so they wanted to, to bring it. They really wanted to bring it. You could tell the way the game started. It was unlike Charlotte. Charlotte built their way into the game. Cincinnati, they came out all guns blazing. So... Um, you know, I think we weathered the storm the right way and, um, you know, started to get one or two chances here. We had two clear cut chances that hopefully we, we wish we would have put away, but in the first half, but you know, that's how it goes. And, you know, thankfully we got it in the end. Last question, Bill, we're going to Mauricio Gomez. Hey, Bill, congratulations. If I'm not mistaken, today's game is your 80th game with a clean sheet. So congratulations. 
Um, how do you adjust to the new coach, uh, Diego Restrepo, of the goalkeepers? Yeah, I've known Diego for years. Um, I've, we're, I've trained with Diego in the past in terms of when he was a player. He came to a few preseasons with us uh, when he was still playing. So I, I've, I've known Diego for many, many years now. So, you know, working with him was, that transition was very easy. Um, and we've watched each other grow in our careers. I've watched him from afar for many years in his career. So I know a lot about him. He's known a lot about me known a lot about me so we worked together and we you know um we were building each other you know he's a he's a new young coach he's an exciting coach with a great uh bag of tricks in terms of drills and and um game realistic situations that he likes to create in training so i'm, I'm proud to be able to work with him and i, I think that he's uh definitely going to be a top goalkeeper coach in the future i definitely think that he has what it takes bill that's it man thank you so much that's DC United goalkeeper Bill Hamid chatting with us as the post-game press conference wraps. Uh, and, you know, Sam, like clockwork, when we host these press post-game conferences, you're mid-thought when a player shows up. So of sorry course. to cut you off there. No, but uh, no, you know, Bill course. talked a little bit about the mentality as well, and you were talking about the question that Sarah asked um, Coach Lasada. To me, it's it's awesome to hear both, both Hernan and Hamid talking about the games that – just broke us last year that's that's sticking with them and they're already recognizing the importance this year of, of winning these games when times are tough and they find a way like well, bill said yeah absolutely and I, I mean i thought it was interesting as a coach that's what you're paid to think about right you have to be learning how to balance especially in mls how to balance when you go for the three points versus when you go for the tie especially away but the fact that Bill Hamid is coming right off the field and saying those games he said I think crushed us last season right so the fact that that is top of mind to him tonight coming off of a road win one that should have probably been more in the bag for us and he mentioned those like key moments that we didn't take advantage of in the first half the fact that he's coming off and quoting back to that se last season kind of shows where this team's mindset is and kind of where I think they're looking at things a little bit more strategically and a little bit more kind of big picture and how do we set ourselves up for success throughout the entire season, not just game by game. I just thought that was really fascinating that he approached it that way. Yeah, I, I don't know if it changes the way they actually play. Like Bill said, I, th I think they look for the right oh, possession yeah, yeah, yeah. and the right right moment to go for these wins. Uh, but Lasada added on. He said, I don't think any of those games went our way last year. The games where it was 50-50 or, or it was up for grabs near the end. Uh, and I got to agree. I know, Sam, you would as well. That uh, the, None of those seemed to go our way last year. And that's why we saw ourselves sitting on the outside of the playoffs. This tonight was definitely one of those games. And, and you know, maybe you can maybe argue that this was not the first one of this season that was up for grabs. But uh, definitely, definitely a welcome three points that we probably didn't get last year. So I'd say I don't think that like in the moment they're thinking don't drop this like we did last season, right? But like in a way they kind of are, but I think that that comes from Lasada and the way that he like triggers the team with the subs and things like that. Like, right, New York City is the one from last season that everyone talks about that we were like all men up for a corner kick and then they essentially broke away, right? But like you didn't really see DC United doing that tonight we had more numbers back later into the game I mean we made a defensive sub later into the game to bring on Pines who gives us that height 
in the set pieces, right? So he can get the ball out. And we saw that happen. We saw him head several corners and several free kicks out of the box. So I don't think that the players are playing necessarily more hesitantly individually. I think that as a team, Lasada's kind of learned like when one point is acceptable versus when you go for all three. I think they really picked up the intensity after um, Moses was sent off. You know, I, I, I thought playing with 10 men, uh, they, they didn't sit back. You know, they, they, they pressed a little bit when they got the ball. They, they tried to move forward, uh, you know, offensively, but they certainly were not content to just sit in the box, at least to me. They were, they were challenging pretty much every pass, every, in, in, which was what I would expect to see, but it was not a total loss of morale when when Moses got sent off and and also I don't I don't think it was a hey let's settle for one but somewhere in the back of their minds I I did sort of feel like it was a you better not blow this because this is a game that we should have had to lead in and and Lasada alluded to that a little bit in his his press conference you know He, he talked about you know they had two early chances to go up um and they did yeah uh, you know, while we're talking about kind of Moses and the red card, um, I just thought it was funny kind of on TV, the ref, the ref goes to VAR and kind of sitting here, you thought like, yeah, it's about to get a red card. Like he's going to review it. You look at the still, which whatever with VAR, but you kind of thought that like he was going to give that. So then he walks back, he pulls out the yellow card and he kind of crosses it out. And Moses had a face of like, yeah, thanks. That didn't deserve a card. And <laughs> he, sure he pulls the red out and Moses was like, wait, what? (laughs) He totally thought he was just getting away scot-free for that. And I thought that was um, pretty funny. Apparently a second red card. I totally don't remember him getting one last season. Against Cincy last year. Funny enough. Yeah. (laughs) He's got a history. He hates the Queen City. Um, But we do have a question coming in here um, from Richard saying, after two games, do you feel Assad is doing a better job of substituting this season? So I'd love uh, Joshua and John to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, Today is kind of interesting because he was forced into the first one. Uh, I don't know if he made, uh, he doesn't, hasn't made a lot of halftime substitutions in his manager career. You don't really want to see that. And Gressel was down uh, at the end of yeah, the first Gressel, half. So you assume uh, it, it seems was like injury, it was hurt. Did yeah. we get it? I know Sarah asked. I don't know if we got an update on the uh, severity of that injury. Um, but we'll, we'll get more about that in later. But yeah, I think he's got options, right? He can put, he can start either Ola Kamara or Michael Estrada and then switch them out, you know, when one's getting tired or, or not do playing well. Uh, and then he's done a good job of getting Jafal on the field. And I kind of think Jafal is starting to command it. He, he had some mistakes, um, but as a prospect so far, he's really exciting. So I, I don't know if he's doing a better job per se, but I think he just has more options. And he's saying in the press conference now that, you know, I need more options. So it'll be interesting to watch that as it goes through. So it's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, well, one, he, he is, I, I hope we see the day that he does not have to bring up the lack of players on the roster, but it's, you know, in the year number two here, it's, it's just a common refrain in these press conferences. And he's right. I mean, we, we said it in the season preview show. We said it last season. And now with Moses out, potentially three games, We'll see what comes of that. Uh, you know, disciplinary committee will get involved and take a look at it. But we're in trouble. Uh, midfield is not a, not a good a good area right now of depth. It's good to see Canals coming back, but you're not going to have the luxury to make these substitutions when you've got you know more players unavailable. But back to Richard's question, yeah, I think um, 
I, I thought the first few substitutions were other than Paris coming on for Gressel, which of course was forced. Um, Jeff and Kamara coming on, I, I, I thought were expected. Um, I, and I'm, I was glad to see it, you know, Kamara getting the last 30 minutes as, as Estrada's coming up to speed. Kamara has played what half the time, uh, that Estrada's played and yet they're level on goals, which is awesome. Um, I was surprised to see Chris Uduya Chim come in for Griffin Yao. Um, but it was to me, it was a defensive sub, and that was before uh, it was before Moses' red card. So perhaps there was maybe a little bit of Lasada thinking we'll settle in with one, let's cement the one, and maybe we get you know three points on on a counter. Um, I thought Griffin Yao played pretty well, and he he got beat up all game. So I, that one was particularly surprising to me. But um, then of course the the Pines for Nahar sub was was largely forced. Um, because of the red card to Nyman. So, yeah, I, I think we're seeing substitutions um, that are that are well-timed by Lasada this year. But, um, boy, I'm still just shocked we get five in this league. <laughs> yeah, you know, talking about Yao, I think Joshua said during the game that he's kind of filling right. in. What do you say? Go he's ahead. He's the Paul Ariel Hustle Memorial Award winner <laughs> for the match. He, he's adopted – and there was some some real mentorship there, you know, from everything that we heard and, and, and saw in the locker room that, you know, Paul was a friend to the younger guys in the locker room. And it's it's kind of showing in the way Yao's play. He's everywhere. And like you said, John, he's getting beat up. Uh, and I was it, it seems that he's always in a scrap and then he does decent things from them. So I, I'm excited. And yeah, he's definitely taking he's playing Paul's spot uh, and he's showing Paul's hustle so far. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Sticking with the young kids. I thought Moses had a better game this game um, as opposed to last game um, I think he, he had a couple better passes I think there were a couple times when I expected him to be bodied off the ball but he was still able to get that pass off um, so you love to see that again you know red carded out which was you know <laughs> when you look at the still of the VAR you're going to get that every time so you're going to get that red card every time um, so unfortunate that we're not going to see him for a few games Sam, let, let's talk a little bit about that red card because we, we danced around it a bit. Um, it was a lengthy VAR review. Yeah. Um, my thought, and I'd be curious to hear how you guys took the review. I think the reason it went red was because there was he, he, he kept his studs out and there was almost like a second. He, he got kind of the ball and, and Lucho's foot, and then he made contact kind of a second time. And to me, that was if there was a reason to make this a red card, it was, you know, he didn't quite pull out of it as much as perhaps I would have liked to have seen. It was tough. It was harsh. And it was, you're right. When you, when you look at the still, um, you know, it's hard to, to look at it any other way than his, his studs are out and, and, you know, it's a red card. But um, to me, I, I think had he not kept his studs out that long, we might've been looking at, I at, mean... at just playing with the yellow. Also, it was just like where his foot was. I mean, I'll try not to stand on this like VAR soapbox for too long, but if you you take any still in any sport, even just a player taking a free kick, right? It looks like their body's bent a weird way, and it looks like that's going to be an injury. So if you take any tackle and put it in a still frame, it's going to look like there's a possible injury. So I mean, we saw it play out today, and that you know, without VAR in the run of play, it would have just been a yellow, and we would have moved on. But with VAR, when you get that one still of the contact, then it's a red card. So I think that from the letter of the law, yes, his studs were up and his studs made contact. So that is a red card. But I think it was in the run of play a little harsh. He didn't go into a tackle with his studs up. He went in for a 50-50 ball. His leg was just higher to make contact with the ball. And it ended up hitting 
Lucho's foot in the 50-50 challenge. So, you know, it, I feel like it was kind of harsh. But again, in, in the world of VAR, when you're slowing that down, like his foot was just higher, which means his studs had nowhere to go. But with two of the other players foot who was making the tackle and it's unfortunately going to be a red every time. In my opinion, it wasn't malice. Like no one got horrifically hurt from it. And players are not going to stop making those types of challenges. I'll disagree slightly. I think it was stupid and reckless. Like what, what is Lucho doing with that ball there? Why are you even making the challenge? And then, yeah, it it is unfortunate. You know, everything you're saying, I I don't think you're completely off base here, but not completely. uh, But yeah, that's just like, as a defender, what do you gain by throwing your cleats into that? And you gain the chance of possibly getting red carded. And this time he he did get it. So I can see the the objections to it, but I think Moses, that's, that's an area maybe he can grow. And look, honestly, like I mentioned last time, Russell Canals picks up cards too. It's an area that, you know, maybe a lot of midfielders can grow in. I think we're continuing to see kind of the evolution of VAR in MLS though, uh, in a couple ways, you know, one, it was cool to see on both reviews and we, we did get to see exactly what the referee saw, which we're kind of used to in some other leagues. And and previously in MLS, it's been a little tough. It's been, you know, what, what can the, what can the local broadcast team show you of a replay, but not necessarily synchronize with, with what the referee is seeing. I'm still, lobbying hard for the actual commentary from the VAR down to the, the head ref. Um, the other thing that was cool was watching the Cincinnati fans right behind the VAR. Uh, they were, they had a very different look on their face during the, the second <laughs> review yeah. than they did the first. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I also think looking at the two VAR reviews from last week, it does seem as though we're going a little bit away from clear and obvious again in MLS. And you know, look, it, to me, if, if that's what we're going to do, I'm okay with it. It's just I'd like to see the standard kind of applied across the board. And and in the, in this situation, I, I would I would definitely say I don't think it was a clear and obvious miss of a red card, um, which, yeah, here we are. Yeah. Well, to get off of, unless you all have, like, any last comments, to get off of VAR and just um, kind of talk about this game in conjunction with the last game generally you know we started off intentionally being very positive Um, I'm glad we got kind of got back to the having the pregame presser within the beginning part of the show because I love chatting about it with you guys it puts a little bit of stress on us again I get cut off right we don't ever want to get too in depth Um, so we, we remain positive we remain like happy we got the three points but you know, I don't know the, if anyone really thinks that this was a dominating, great performance that DC United put on. I don't think we thought that last game. And, you know, we heard Lasada say we're playing Charlotte and Cincy at the right times kind of before they can get momentum if they will this season. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on like just the general tactics and the general physicality, the general play that we saw tonight um, and kind of what that means coupled with the last what we saw from the last game. Yeah, I, I said last time that I wouldn't take too much from this game, from the first game, and and you know now we have another full ninety minutes uh, underneath our belt, and I'm starting to pick away a couple of things. Uh, something that was pointed out by Black and Red United that I think we have to shout. I think the wingbacks this year are are going inside. If you've seen uh, Brad Smith in, in Zone 14, that area right on top of the box, uh, Julian Russell when he wasn't you know before his injury. Uh, they, they are cutting inside, and I think that's a little bit to make up for the lack in talent in the attacking midfield places where Flores and Areola were last season. Um, and so that's a little bit interesting. I think I think Brad Smith has been great. Uh, we were all super scared of that. 
and, and so he's been adding to the team. Uh, uh, we were all super scared of, you know, Paredes' loss, uh, but I think Brad Smith has been fine, and, and Gressel has, well, not gotten assists technically yet. He, he has contributed to the goal scoring and, and looked fine through the first 130 minutes. Yeah, I, I was happy with, with Brad Smith's performance again tonight. Um, it was hard for me to not think that, you know, we might have had a better shot on goal uh, from Paredes there early, early in the game. Um, but it, but it was you know, it was not a gimme of, of a goal, right? Um, and then, you know, by the time Griffin got the, the rebound off, it was several defenders kind of back to defend. But, ah, look, um, I still think it's it's pretty early. Um, I think, I think, like you said, Joshua, we're starting to piece some things together, but I, I think there's a lot we're going to continue to learn about this team. And I think they're going to continue to change as they, they cope with the, the changes in, in the roster from last year, right? A lot of these guys are holdovers from last year. So they're used to playing with certain guys in certain positions and, and those guys are gone. Um, but they're also going to learn how to play with, with the new talent that, that's coming in. And, and hopefully Sam alluded to it earlier, but hopefully taxi cab is right around the corner here because we're, we're, we're struggling in, in attacking midfield. I mean, oh, I, I don't know how we get Peruvian national team star Edison <laughs> Flores to, to run onto the pitch for the black and red, but man, he, it, he was not another good game for him. Yeah, the, He was invisible. I'm pretty sure he was just on the field for that shot he woofed, and then I don't remember him doing anything else at all. Like, yeah, I, I think the criticisms of, of Flores and Skundrick that I, I'm seeing all over Twitter right now are, are pretty valid, but we kind of knew that beforehand. Like, the, these guys were not hitting, you know, the levels. We, we don't have high standards for Skundrick. He was a pickup from USL. We brought him up. And so it's just kind of disappointing that he is not, you know, it, we, we all want that super high trajectory for him, and it, it doesn't seem like he's getting that yet. Flores, we, we paid $5 million, so we expected a pretty high baseline, and, and we still have not seen that. And I, I think those are super valid, and I think there might be a time at some point in the season where we have to address those. Next week, even, we'll see who starts in the midfield. If, if Russell's really back, it seems that, that Sophie, you know, Jafal is capable of being that creative, attacking-ish midfielder while also still doing the defensive responsibilities. And then, yeah, Flores as Perez and, you know, Taxi comes in. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him. There's only so many spots, and and I think those two guys need to, to pick it up to, to earn theirs. So our friend uh, James, we were texting during the game, and he said he had a, had, had a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, he essentially summed it down to um, Hamid, Birnbaum, Nahar, and Smith have been pretty good through two matches. Kamara's been okay. Everyone else has been poor. And then he said – essentially these results are fool's gold we're in trouble here so it sounds like you all might think that's a little bit more and it's to be noted that James was at the game so it probably felt a little different kind of being in the away section and you know watching it live versus watching it with the tv cameras is obviously very different Uh, but it sounds like you all think that might be a little bit harsh but not necessarily far off and I think that's kind of where I land no I think he's spot on honestly I I think if you I mean if you just take a step back one step back we have a brand new team that we beat three nothing but a couple goals were lucky and then a a three-time wooden spoon three-time consecutive wooden spoon winner here uh, and we were we were almost beat by them Uh, we we got a lucky VAR call in the last few minutes of the game to, to get the goal so yeah, I, I think 
I think kind of what I said last time, the, these results, it's great that we're getting the points, but I'm still very unsure. And if you watch the games, I feel like you probably would come away with the same opinion as well. If you watch the way DC United played, I mean, the, the only goals they scored from open play this season is Kamara's, you know, bumping off the deflection from the goalkeeper. And then, <laughs> Estrada's deflection off Fuchs's back, so so it hasn't been really convincing from DC United at all. And yeah, uh, yeah I think look, it's only fool's gold if you put too much into it, if you value it too high. I, I'm not valuing these two two wins high at all right now. I think the other thing, Joshua, just about the goals that they've scored this year, because I was thinking about that during the game, even before you know the late winning PK, is like. It, it never at any point in time did I feel like we're not going to create a goal scoring opportunity. You know, like they, they, they can possess the ball, they can move forward, but I, it, it wasn't that feeling of like, I don't know, we're going to have several good chances here. We're fine. I don't know about um, good chances though. Sorry, John, not to cut you off, but I, I, I mean, we were creating and that we were in and around their box and getting shots off, but like there weren't uh, aside from, you know, the one-on-one with Smith and then essentially the follow-up with Yao, there weren't a whole lot of opportunities or chances in which I was like, that should have been in the back of the net. That was so unlucky. Man, we'll get it next time. Like, what a save that was. Or, wow, the defender made a great tackle. Like, there weren't a whole lot of times when I was like, wow, that really should have been in the back of the net. And I think that's what's worrying me is you can be in and around the box all you want, but if you're not having those moments, and, I mean, I've been saying this for years and years and years, but, like, unless Kamara or Estrada are going to like really step up and be that striker and kind of score out of nothing or even score out of the obvious opportunities. Like that's kind of where I worry a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I think we're seeing it similarly, Sam. I think to me, I'm kind of hearkening back to some of the days where we would have just no shots period, no shots on goal. Like we just, we weren't yeah. even, we weren't even near the box. Right. And so I, I think we've found that goals can come out of nothing. And I think last year we saw that Kamara can be that striker that can really help make a goal out of nothing. I, to me, it's hard to, I just keep thinking it's early. And I say that because I, I think this roster is incomplete and I, I think this team has a long way to go. Um, I, I think Estrada still trying to find, find his footing here. He doesn't, he didn't look that comfortable tonight. No. Um, you know, the, the, the first week, Joshua, like you said, I mean, you got PK. Striker should, should bury those, right? And the second one was a gnarly deflection. I mean, the dude hasn't had a chance to do a whole lot of, of spectacular or even comfortable goal scoring just yet. Um, I, I think they're still they're still jugs. I don't know. I'm not as panicked. Uh, I, I think you put it well, Joshua. It's only fool's gold if you buy into it. And I, I don't think this team is going to light the world on fire this year. But I think they're going to get a lot better than they're looking right now. And Sam, like you said earlier, we're getting the points while looking not good right now. So if we can find a way to look good and continue to get the points or continue to even grow as a unit, perhaps we'll be hanging around for a while this season. And I'm glad we, we've all harped on, like, don't take too much out of this. This is very early because I'm going to make a broad statement. And, and <laughs> man, I'm going to insert, like, this is not – I don't want to jump the gun here, but I think it's because our goals – and our attack is a product of the system, not a product of individual play so far. I think you can say that for most of last year and, and almost all of this year so far. And again, I don't want to make a broad sweeping statement about this team that's played two 
it's early in the season. It's too early in the season to make that kind of a raw statement, but I am worried that we don't have the individual players to create those chances. And this has all been Lasada's system so far. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, it's, I feel like we play better against better teams almost. Like we kind of depend upon teams being better and pushing forward a little bit more. And not to say since he didn't do that yesterday, but I'm just thinking to last season, you know, there were games against like Philly and the Revs that like, we kind of felt unlucky to not come away with more from. So like kind of maybe because while you and John were talking, I was just thinking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Optimism. But like, what about what we're watching makes you think that it's going to improve? Like we don't, it's just Russell who's out right now. Like, yeah, I guess we're going to build into this season, but it's essentially a lot of the same guys as last year. So I was just thinking like, what about the play right now makes you think that we're going to build into the season other than it just being the beginning of the season. But I guess possibly like the lack of quality from our opponents is something to consider. Yeah, and that's tough. And I think, look, there there is room for, for Brad Smith to do even better. He could be just as good as Gressel, potentially. He he was had times with Seattle that he was really great. He was dominant and part of their counterattack. Uh, and there is opportunities for the midfield to be a little bit better. And maybe Estrada does start to get into the grind. And so there is a chance for, for these pieces to, to fit together and, you know, add a couple more during the summer. And, and then we have something really good and special. But... Yeah, it's okay. Look, again, it's way too early to be, you know, making any final decisions on this team. You can be optimistic or pessimistic if you want right now. Who cares? Yeah, so I I, I totally agree. Um, I want to pose a question to you guys, though, because we've all talked around it. I'm, I'm pretty confident about it, but this roster is incomplete. And so my questions to you guys are, you know, one – do we see that third DP signing this year is whether it's in this window or in the summer, that's question. The first, but question. The second is if so, what position do you want to see strengthened the most on this roster? Because there's kind of a hodgepodge out there right now. And and you've only got one DP slot left, despite what you want to say about it. and Flores's performance or lack thereof. So what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I can go first, and it's going to be uh, kind of a scorched earth, but I, I would fill Flores' position. Uh, and as inefficient as that would be for the cap and, and roster and, and all that, he's in a key position right now, and, and we're not getting hardly anything. He, he's played fine, but he's not playing DP levels. When you watch – I watched the Revs game this afternoon, and when Carlos Hill is on the ball – things happen and other players in MLS can't touch him. He does basically what he wants and, and drives that attack. We do not have that at all. And, and yeah, I, I think we might have a couple pieces. We, I, I like our back line uh, when they're all healthy in there and our midfield could probably use a little bit of bolstering. Uh, so maybe you could say that, but uh, I think it comes down to, you know, after taxi comes, if he can play on the right where Yao is getting minutes and, and making mistakes, like Lasada said, uh, then it then it's gotta be it's gotta be Flores who who just like is not driving the game the same way that other DPs do. Yeah, I mean, I I paused because I kind of have the same opinion either Flores kind of or the number nine, and those both feel redundant because we just brought in Estrada and we just brought in or obviously we have Flores as a DP, and I get that we kind of need to give Estrada time 
to settle in. So maybe that is like premature of me to say, but right now, if you were to ask me right now, like those are the two positions I feel like we need. I feel like we need, as as Joshua just said, all about, you know, Flores's deficiencies. I'm not going to just repeat what he said, but in a number nine position, like I've said it before for years and years and years, we haven't had like that Chris Wando type, just poacher, just like knows how to put it in the back of the net out of nothing, no matter what. And I, I think the DC United needs that. I mean, any team would benefit from it. Right. But tonight that's what we saw kind of where those deficiencies are so I wish we had someone who just kind of has that nose for goal um, kind of in the way that we hoped Ola would have been when he first came in um, but those are kind of the two positions that I would fill in and again kind of redundant but what about you John? it's going to be interesting to me to see how you get Taxi and, and Estrada on the field at the same time and I'm, st- I'm still unsure that I want Kamara off the field Um, you know it's it's still baffling to me that that we're we're shopping a a guy who was essentially the gold boot winner last year and yet Sam you're right we're not scoring good goals we're certainly not creating a ton of chances and so I I I think oh man I think I I, I'm I'm with Joshua on this one though I think it's time to to do something with Flores and you know hey worst case I guess worst case scenario somebody comes in competes and, and we don't see floor as much anymore and then we got to deal with what that does to the cap but best case scenario now you got two guys pushing each other and, and if you can find a way with five subs and, and the crazy fixture congestion we hopefully have this summer by a deep open cup run you know maybe you've got a chance to have all these guys on the pitch at the same time gel and flying <sighs> i don't know man it's so, I, but it's, i'm I go ahead. it's so tough because who do you bring in we, we literally had a national team <laughs> teammate of his who played the same or similar position in the squad last year and it, it didn't click and honestly Jordi Reyna probably played just as good if not better than Flores said at times so I don't even know who you could bring in to 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 do what you're talking about John because that that that's the best case scenario I think yeah. you bring someone in maybe it's taxi who's like hey man we got to step up when you do this you need to do this and and, and fix Flores and be good themselves but but I can't imagine. Yeah, it, maybe Taxi is that guy. Um, and, I mean, it's not my money, but I'd almost not be mad at the redundancy of having two DPs in the same position at this point because it's either you only have two DPs on the team and one of them's not just not performing, or you have three DPs, two of them in the same position, but possibly one of them performs for you, right? Like again, not my money I'm spending, but I would prefer the redundancy because then. You either have someone who's performing, maybe he pushes Flores, who plays a little bit better, and then we sell him for, like, the peanuts that we could probably sell him for now, right? Like, you kind of up his value a little bit if he does kind of improve and start pushing. Or we just try to, you know, ship him in the summer window, kind of off of whatever national team hype he still has at that point. Maybe you wait. I don't know if Peru are out of the World Cup yet or not, but World Cup hype definitely drives prices. Maybe we can salvage some transfer value there, but... Another shout I got to mention because I'm an MLS roster nerd is that DC United with the current amount of DPs, I think they can bring in three under 22 players, young money as it has been labeled across the league. Um, And you can spend a lot of money on those guys, Uh, huge transfer fees, not a huge salary, but huge transfer fees Uh, for a younger guy. Maybe DC United takes a flyer or two on on some guys like that to to come in and, and challenge for minutes and, and, 
driving the game. That'd be interesting and probably almost a little bit more likely because Lasada is such like a player's coach and, you know, he really does emphasize young development and playing guys, you know, if they're deserving of minutes. So maybe that's an easier sell. Yeah. I don't think he's loving this being forced to play them right now. Well, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I completely I think agree. he's open to it though. And if he has, like, I think you're right. He's not loving kind of being forced into it, but if he has the guys who are just naturally talented, I don't think he's one of those coaches who's like, oh, he's young. I need him to be in practice and just on the bench for a little while and then playing. And I think you're seeing that less and less just in world soccer right now. But I mean, we've seen Lasada's willing to play them out of the gate. With two games left in World Cup qualifying, Peru are currently in fifth in Comdeball, which would advance them to the Inter-Confederation playoffs, but they're only one point out of an automatic qualifying spot. So Peru are right in the thick of things. We're going to be livid watching Flores tear it up on the world stage. I was livid today about it. It leads to the question, and and I know we're spending a lot of time on, on Flores tonight, but I he's he should be such a big part of this team's success. And yet he's mostly the player we talk about using expletives, but what does it take <laughs> to, to unlock him on, on this roster in this style? I mean, you're right. He wasn't a guy that, that Lasada brought in and then perhaps he wouldn't have been on the, on the radar, uh, you know, for this or system, Lucy. but uh, true, but <laughs> they've invested in him, and, and, and there's not a whole lot of money being spent elsewhere right now. Uh, other than a couple other players coming in. But you're right, they've largely ignored the Young Money Initiative, which is another frustrating challenge. But what do you do? Because you got this guy. He's obviously successful for his national team against some tough competition. How do you make it work? Hey, you have to pick one of the two. I, I think it's, it's and this is might, might be just us late into a podcast talking right now, but... You either bench him and find someone else who can play the position better than him, or you do whatever it takes to get the get that guy working. Whatever if it's a change in formation, maybe he needs to play striker, even though he's like five foot seven. Uh, you do whatever you can because he's the most expensive transfer in DC United history, and he's he's not playing like it right now. So, yeah, either you you dump and get whatever value you can, replace him with someone else, uh, or or you've been DC United whole formation to him and we're doing all right not doing that yeah I mean I I think this is almost an unanswerable question because we don't know why it's not flipping and he's playing like that for DC like does he just hate being in DC is there an issue in the locker room like is there something about the way that he's training that isn't allowing him to transition those skills into DC like but I mean that's kind of the the variables that answer like do you just bench him or are there adjustments that the team can make it I can only assume that they've been talking to him and trying to figure it out right so I just I almost don't have an answer for that because I would assume Lasada would have already figured out the answer for that being the one with all the answers so I mean maybe this is just not the right foot for him like maybe he just doesn't enjoy being here maybe it's the tactics and the teammates and everything else that you know, it just is not going to jive for him for whatever reason. And you know what they also still haven't figured out is, well, it seems like they actually have now, is that Flores is not taking penalties for this team. And, and we talked a little bit last time about how it was a little bit interesting. Flores was on the spot. Estrada was on the spot. And, yeah. You know, Estrada's new. And like I said, you know, Flores is the most expensive. Well, maybe Estrada will have something to say about that, you know, later on. But Flores is the most expensive player, and he was not taking that. And then another penalty happened today. And, you know, Ola scored a bunch last season. So he's stepped up to the spot instead of Flores. And, and so even in that, he's he's not a leader on the team in, in the sense that 
look, man. <laughs> Maybe gotta, this is just one of the signings that didn't work out. That's unfortunate if it would be. And we were about, a, what, a year and a half or so? It's just, oh, man. It's, it, he, he's been flying in, in World Cup qualifying, and he doesn't seem unhappy. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not in the locker room. Right. We don't, we're not part of those conversations. But I think for a guy like Lasada that regularly reminds the press that he's unhappy with the, the, the quantity and the quality of, of players on his roster, um, I would expect the front office is telling him, look, dude, the best player on our books isn't getting it done in your system. You got figured out. We hired you to, to win games here. And, yes, we give you a roster. You should have inputs on that, but you didn't because you weren't here when we signed this guy. We paid him a lot of money. You got to figure it out. So I don't know. I, I think that's going to be a key question, not only to DC United's success this year, but also to Arnon Masada's success long-term in DC is, is, is how this plays out. I think you're on there. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be very public <laughs> either way. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll get a chance to to, to bring that up in, in a press conference here in the coming weeks, especially if uh, if we don't see the spark that hopefully we do. But um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about about this game before we award a man of the match? Um, I just want to shout what's going on in the chat here. <laughs> we got, uh, I think, Jackie and Brian conversing about the best ways to listen to uh, – Dave and Devin while not living in the DC area. So I love that community of helping everyone out and also just the love for Dave and John, uh, Dave and uh, Devin, obviously. Um, but then Brian said this a little bit earlier in the chat and I totally missed it because it was apparently said in the broadcast, but um, this is the first time DC United has taken six points after two matches since 1999, which is crazy. <laughs> I said, that cannot be true. And he's like, yep, they said it during the broadcast. So, you know, that season been, worked out. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we've been, we've been talking pretty pessimistically, but yeah, you know, some good momentum going into this season, I guess. Yeah, we'll take it. And, you know, we've talked, we've almost talked these wins down as losses, but as rough and, and ugly as they were, they were three points each. We've yeah. also been criticized. It was, criticized for talking losses up as wins essentially so we're just second balance <laughs> true <laughs> we'll, we'll never make everyone happy <laughs> but yeah john I'm, I'm ready for my man in the match uh why don't you go ahead and go first because i know you're raring i was ready to go first this time oh uh, wait 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 maybe maybe we gotta give it to sam i just want to go oh, first let, let me google if bullsburg played today they, he was not he was not in the 18 which is unfortunate um, they did Kevin Perez, everyone yeah. who's not, <laughs> not aware of Sam's biases. Um, my man of the match today is Bill Hamid, who I think was essential for getting the three points today. I think he came up with some phenomenal saves, and we are down by a lot in Cincinnati if it's not for Bill. Um, I kind of expected him to be a little bit more like high energy and hype in the press conference, just like coming off that adrenaline of having made those saves. Um, but yeah, I think we owe this win tonight to Bill Hamid. Yeah, I'll go next because my answer is the same. I, 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 I think, John, if, well, yeah, Sam likes to be explorative and different in her man of the match picks from us. Um, so if you'll notice, she goes a little with the Brennan side Ike last week. That was a little bit interesting. <laughs> I was set online this week, though. Uh, but yeah, it has to be Bill Hamid, uh, probably the best player through 180 minutes, you know, by far. Uh, for DC United, I, you know, Andy's been fine. 
and, and a couple other players. Like I said, Brad Smith was fine, but Bill Amid is the reason this team has six points, uh, bar none, I think. Yeah, you guys are right. It, it's Bill Hamid's uh, six saves again tonight, uh, two men of the match awards from me. Doesn't look like the team's giving them for away games because they can't give out the fancy trophy uh, on the road, but they did actually have a, a, a tweet just dedicated to Bill, uh, a cool picture of him in the net. So I think he, they're basically telling us he was their man of the match too. Um, but you mentioned Bill not being super hype in the press conference. Steven Birnbaum was fired up uh, on, on the DC United Twitter account. So take a look at that. I'll retweet it here from the show account if I can switch over to that on this old-ass Chromebook I'm rocking. <laughs> um, but Birnbaum is, is fired up, and it's good to see. I mean, it's good to see what these wins mean to the team because you're right. We've been talking it down all night, but it's three points. It's six out of six. You can only play the teams on your schedule, and they should be excited. Yeah, I think also the Brad Smith, we've kind of talked about him a little bit during this show, but I think he has performed pretty well from us. for us. I'm sure Seattle fans are whispering, like, just wait, it'll come, just wait. But so far, I mean, he has been playing really well. Again, maybe not up to the Kevin Paredes standard, um, as Joshua said. <laughs> but um, he has been doing really well, and I hope that he continues to perform for the team. But if that is kind of a good honorable mention because he has really performed not just tonight, but in the past two games. Yeah. So looking ahead, <laughs> um, DC United are home again next weekend. Another another probably chilly game here in, in early March, but the weather's starting to turn uh, and the fire come to town. So we get to see Shakiri for the first time this season. And um, that's our first 7 o'clock game of the year. So a little bit later, uh, but but super excited for that. They're, Chicago has two draws on the year. Yet, like to score. Yet to score What's a goal. That? Yet to score a goal and will oh, co- be coming against, you know, two-time men in the match they, winner, Bill Hamid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they played Miami and Orlando. So I, Chicago was kind of one of those coming into this season that was like, will they, won't they? And so far, won't they? So They, we'll they made a lot of additions, I think, yeah. uh, referencing back to Lasada. This might be the right time to be playing this team, uh, especially, you know, with them on the road. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the the, the teams that DC United have opening up the season, Charlotte, Cincy, Chicago, Toronto, that's a brilliant opening stretch. you got to take a ton of points from that because, as we talked about last week, it does not get any easier after that. So, yeah, good time to play Chicago and a good time for, for you to come down to Audi Field uh, and hang out with us, you know, either before the game at the Screaming Eagles tailgate or, of course, uh, you know, during the match. We'd love to see you. Yeah, come say hey if you see us. We love it. And it looks like next week, Loud United will open up the season uh, against the Indy 11. So Christian Fuchs, former U.S. home. Uh, that's an exciting season for, for Loudon coming up. And one more week until the Spirit open things up against Orlando on March 19th in the Challenge Cup. Awesome. Sounds good. Can't wait for all the district soccer. <laughs> yeah. I'm fast and furious, my friends. Well, look. Thanks for joining us live tonight. We appreciate all the interaction uh, as, as usual, and we'll hope to do another live show soon. But in the meantime, make sure all your podcast feeds are updated so you get the latest tried and true content whenever it drops. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight, Bombers United. And we'll see you next time right here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken.